It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to a new episode of the Sports Stove Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are brought to you by Blue Coolers. It is time to get outside. And as you're outside hiking, camping, fishing, doing whatever it is you're doing outside, you need a great quality cooler. And there is a perfect cooler for you. And you can get it at Blue Coolers. We have a link in the podcast notes that you can click on. And they go on there and check out the different uh, coolers that they have there. They have a 55-quart cooler. It's their best seller, five-star rated. It has a five-year warranty. It has 10-day ice retention, keeps ice for 10 days as well. And it's uh, much cheaper than the other brands you oftentimes think of. And that's why they call Blue Coolers the Yeti Killer. Make sure you go to Blue Coolers, get yourself a new cooler. Make sure you use the link in the podcast notes so that they know that we sent you today i am joined again by my father dale stover dad how are you doing good doing good exciting time it is an exciting time so we are recording just after the brackets have dropped and uh, we're going to be reacting to that here in just a second then we're going to continue our major league baseball preview talking about the uh, american league west today as well we'll talk to you about the teams we'll talk to you about the fantasy effect Uh, from the players on those teams as well. So uh, looking forward to uh, that, continuing that conversation with the baseball preview. But let's start with basketball and the NCAA specifically, as the brackets have now been released. Uh, Interesting, teams have until Tuesday to opt out. If they uh, choose to opt out because they cannot uh, meet the protocol set, there are four teams waiting in the wings to step in and take their place. After that Tuesday deadline, anybody that drops out, it'll be a no contest. The other team will move on in the tournament. Um, so this could be an interesting year as we watch Drexel march their way all the way to the finals by just COVID protocols. So we'll see. We'll see how all that goes. Um, I want to start by recognizing, uh, of course, um, Rick Pitino making the tournament. Neither Kentucky or Louisville made the tournament, but Rick Pitino did at Iona. He's only the third coach 
to take uh, five different schools to the tournament, joining uh, his former replacement, Tubby Smith, and then uh, Kruger, I think, was the other one. I don't have those notes with me, uh, but I think was the other one as well. That took five teams, so congratulations there to Rick Patino and Iona. Just one year since he joined the program at Iona, takes the team to the tournament. Dad, let's look at the brackets. Uh, we'll start. We'll talk about the one seeds, Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan. Two Big Ten teams sitting at the top of a bracket. Gonzaga undefeated. Baylor has been one of the best teams all seasons. I don't think there's any surprises there, but what are your thoughts on the one seeds? No, I, I think it stayed as planned. I wasn't sure about Michigan with them losing earlier, but, of course, it was a very, very close game. And... Um, you know, I, I thought there might be a chance they would drop out. Alabama or somebody would come up. But, um, you know, again, they're a very good team and and in a very solid conference. So, Yeah, I think Alabama had a chance to get the one seed. But uh, had they maybe lost one or two less games in the regular season, they probably would have gotten that one seed with winning the SEC tournament. But um, And Houston's not too far behind either. Uh, and they had right. a big win in their conference championship as well. Uh, but I think those were the two main teams that could have possibly surpassed Michigan. Um, but Michigan holds on to that number one uh, seed there. Were there any brackets, uh, West, East, South, Midwest, that stood out to you as are going to be the, uh, the, the hardest bracket to get through? Um, I don't know. I just looked at it quickly, so I haven't really – uh, stayed all of it. I know there was one. I remember the thinking, oh, this one is a little more difficult, but I don't remember if it was um, the East or um, it, it wasn't the West and it wasn't the Midwest. It wasn't yes, Gonzaga and Illinois. So. It's probably the South. Baylor, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Villanova, Arkansas, uh, Ohio State, all in that one. That's the one that stood out yes. to me. Um, you've got North Carolina and Wisconsin face off in the first round. And then the winner of that game goes on to play Baylor <laughs> in the next round. Yeah. I'm Baylor. I'm sitting there going, I, I mean, Wisconsin's very, very beatable. North Carolina has been pretty solid here down the, the stretch. So that one would worry me as well. Um, <clears throat> they, they talked about on the CBS uh, selection show, Craig Kellogg, uh, he mentioned Colgate. Colgate and Arkansas playing against each other. Colgate's 14-1. and one. Um, he said the tempo is going to be incredibly fast there. Arkansas has had a great season this year mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Craig Kellogg mentioned Winthrop, 23-1, and one, the 12 seed, uh, is going to beat Villanova. He said if Villanova's point guard is out, Winthrop will win this game. That's what he said. Oklahoma State and Liberty is an interesting matchup as well. Liberty, the A-Sun champs, uh, going up against uh, one of the top prospects in all of college basketball and Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State. Uh, there as well. Um, intriguing play-in game. First four, I think, is what they tried to call it. Yeah. Michigan State and UCLA. What about oh, yeah. that one? That's, ama that's amazing when you think of those schools being in the play-in game. Um, again, you know, I think what they I, they said UCLA's lost the last four. Um, Michigan State, um, you know, didn't look like they would even be in it. Then they got hot. Um, won some good games, played in some close games, but then kind of faded down the stretch. So, but yeah, just the history of those two schools being in the first four, that, that's, that's a little 
shocking. It could be a really good game. Never know. It looks like a lot of good games potentially. Yeah, I think Michigan State, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure they beat um, <clears throat> Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, and Ohio State, I think, in the regular season. And I could be wrong. I know at, some, at least three of those teams they beat. So they had some huge wins in the conference and uh, <clears throat> you know set them up to make the tournament. Of course, in the first four, they were the only surprises in the first four. Mount St. Mary, Texas Southern, uh, let's see here. Who are the other ones? Uh, Wichita State and Drake and Northfolk and Appalachian State. So all of those teams are your standard first four teams. Michigan State and UCLA, though, a little bit of a shocker. The winner plays BYU in the, uh, well, technically, well, it's the first round. So that's when they're playing uh, there as well. Uh, do you have any... Uh, just top of your head, these just, just came out. Anybody, any team that you say, hey, there's a dark horse uh, right there? Because I think the one seeds, it's more likely this season than ever that the one seeds are going to be in the Final Four. But uh, is there any teams that stand out to you as, as dark horses? No, well, a team, you look at who is really hot right now, and a team that surprised me in their conference tournament was LSU. So I, I'm not sure, you know, how far they'll go. I'm not sure exactly where they're at, you know, bracket-wise. They may be in a tough spot. But if you got a team that surprised me that was hot, um, you know, it, it was definitely LSU. Well, if the, the phrase cheaters never prosper is true, then LSU will lose in the first round to St. Bonaventure. <laughs> Uh, it amazes me that Will Wade is still has a job as the coach at LSU after proven – that he cheated and paid for players and seems like absolutely nothing happened to him. They did have a good season this year overall. They're 18 and nine. Um, they're worthy of a number eight seed, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that St. Bonaventure takes him out in the first round. Cannot stand Will Wade. Do not know why he has a job. Um, <laughs> that's embarrassing. Um, <clears throat> the last four or the first four out, technically the four that are, Waiting as the replacement teams is Louisville, Colorado State, St. Louis, and Ole Miss. Our old friend Kermit there at Ole Miss yeah. uh, is, is waiting in the wings as well. So any teams that opt out before um, the deadline on Tuesday, I think it's 6 p.m. on Tuesday, the deadline on Tuesday, though, they will be replaced. The first team that opts out, Louisville will step in, then Colorado State, I believe, and then St. Louis and Ole Miss. Yeah. Uh, there as well. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens. COVID has proven that it, it's going to play a role in this tournament. I mean, they did in the in the conference tournaments already. And so we just assume it's going to happen here as well. They push the games back starting on uh, Friday, then another game on Saturday, then the next round Sunday and Monday is unique as well. Um, I was going to ask you a question and it just slipped my mind. Oh, the COVID stuff. All right. Thankfully Duke didn't make the tournament. They didn't deserve to be there. They didn't right. earn it or anything like that. Um, my friend, Brad Taylor, he's the host of the bottom line with Brad Taylor here, local Lexington radio, ESPN radio, Lexington every Saturday and Sunday at 9am. Uh, Brad put out a stat this morning on his program and I didn't hear the first part. So I'm, I, I, I may be misquoting him on this, but I think he said, uh, Duke had some sort of high, it's like 70% chance to make the tournament before the Florida State game. But if they lost to Florida State, their percentage would go to a 17% chance. And 
so they had a walk on that didn't play supposedly come down with COVID, which then they could not continue in the ACC tournament, which gave them a higher percentage chance than had they gone to Florida, played Florida State and lost uh, there. Now, I don't know, Dad, how big of a conspiracy theorist you are. We never talked about conspiracy theories growing up. Um, but do you think Duke, I mean, listen, Coach K, what a handful he is. Uh, do you think Do you think Coach K was trying to weasel his way into the tournament, uh, or do you think it was a legit COVID situation? Um, I mean, I would not be surprised if he was trying to weasel his way into the tournament. Um, I mean, you know, he, he has used his name and his reputation over and over again. And if, I mean, if you can get Christian Leitner on the dream team, <laughs> then you can do just about anything. And uh, uh, ever since then, it, I, nothing would surprise me with Coach K. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, he didn't make it, so it doesn't matter at the end of the day. But, um, but I cannot believe, you know, I'm in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm a Kentucky basketball fan. And I have been so unexcited about this tournament. It just surprises me. I cannot believe it's Selection Sunday, and I'm just not giddy about it. It's, it's really sad. Um, but the, the my kids are super excited to fill out brackets, and uh, the state of Kentucky has a much better chance to win bracket challenges this year because so many of them just put Kentucky in the finals. That won't happen this year. So uh, interesting year. I think that Baylor bracket is is a gauntlet, though. Uh, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Villanova, Winthrop's not bad. Purdue's okay. Uh, Arkansas has been really good. Colgate, Florida can be tough. Ohio State in there as well. Boy, that's a tough bracket to go. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tret Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Uh, there then, uh, oh, Craig, Craig Kellogg also mentioned Albaline Christian uh, up against Texas as a potential spoiler, a 14 seed over a 3 seed. Uh, there as well. So it's going to be interesting, and hopefully COVID doesn't doesn't play a big role in the tournament, and we can just watch basketball. Uh, watch some of Illinois for the first time this season. Uh, today during their their game, boy, you weren't kidding. That big guy is tough uh, down low, and yep. uh, Illinois is definitely at, uh, uh, playing at the right level right now heading into this tournament. And I like them as far as their bracket goes, uh, relatively simple. Bra- I mean, I say simple, simple bracket, but they, of course, start off with Drexel. The 8-9 seed is Loyola versus Georgia Tech. Then you got Tennessee, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Liberty, San Diego State, Syracuse, West Virginia, Moorhead State, Clemson, Rutgers, and then Houston, Cleveland State. To me, Illinois has got the easiest path of the one seeds uh, into the tournament or into the final four, but um, it's nothing's going to be easy this year, I don't think. All right. You ready to go to baseball? Uh, I think so. As far as surprises, um, there was two seeding things that surprised me a little bit. I'd be interested to see what you think. One was, to me, Kansas being a three seed. Isn't that a little bit high? And um, Florida, I wasn't sure they'd be in the tournament, and they're a seven seed because <laughs> um, they haven't played real well lately either. Um, 
So I, uh, those two, I guess, could just surprise me as far as the seeding. Otherwise, the number of teams the conference has got in, that was about um, you know what you were expecting there. It was a great year for the Big Ten, great year for the Big 12. Uh, I'm a little surprised the ACC had seven, um, but that probably makes sense too. Yeah, you know, looking at these three seeds, Kansas fits in record-wise with the rest of them. Um, I, you know, I have zero respect for Bill Self or Kansas. I think they're yeah. jokes all the time. Uh, always overrated um, and very rarely properly rated. They're twenty and eight on the season. Uh, the other three seeds, Texas is nineteen and seven, so right there in the same area. Uh, West Virginia eighteen and nine, same area. And then uh, Arkansas, 22-6, and six, slightly better uh, there. But all pretty much generally in the four seeds kind of, again, in that same area. Um, I mean, could you have swapped Virginia and Kansas? Maybe, but Virginia hasn't been great uh, this year. You might have had one of these teams like Creighton that got blown out in their championship game. Maybe they would have been a three-seed had they won their, uh, their division or their conference. But um, to me, there wasn't a whole lot surprising with the seeding this year. Uh, there's just there's less to choose from when you don't have the Kentuckys and the Dukes in the tournament, even the Louisville's. It kind of messes up a little bit what you're used to seeing. Um, the complaining about the bre- the the things the the you know how they lay out. I mean, I think Alabama and Houston as two seeds are great. Ohio State. I mean, they played well against Illinois today, but the way they've played so inconsistently this season, you know, whatever. Iowa at a number two seed. So I mean, to me. Uh, brackets mean less this year too. You have very few home home court advantage opportunities and right. things like that as well. So um, overall, I think I, I, I was fine with most of it. I, you know, nothing got me too excited this year. <laughs> Sadly, I, I just I'll find something to get angry about. LSU is the one thing. Will Wade, I'm serious. <laughs> How does he have a job? But uh, nonetheless, he'll lose. It'll all be fine in the end. Anything else on the tournament? Uh, no, you know, uh, eight, nine games are usually good. And boy, a couple of those look like really good games early on. I think it was the East and the South, but, um, and you know, all those should be pretty close, but there was a couple look like be really good games. Yeah. I think Loyola and Georgia tech will be an interesting one. That's an eight, nine, uh, Mm -hmm. matchup over in the Midwest, uh, LSU, St. Bonaventure in the East. Missouri, Oklahoma in the West, and North Carolina, Wisconsin in the South. Yeah. Uh, Missouri, Oklahoma was the one that um, I've watched you know, both those two teams a fair amount. And, you know, that, that should be a really good game, good basketball game. I think, yeah, I think you mentioned it earlier. I think there are going to be a lot of good basketball games uh, in this tournament, less blowouts than, than normal, a lot closer games. Uh, I'm not an Arkansas fan, but they're a fun team to watch this year. Alabama's mm-hmm. a fun team to watch. As well, these Big Ten teams have been beating each other up over the last couple of weeks. Uh, will be good, and these ACC teams that didn't didn't play great, they still have solid coaching and uh, good players, so they might come alive in the tournament as well. Something to watch for. Um, well, I won't ask you to pick Final Four or anything right now, but I really do think the number one seeds. Um, I mean, I think they're as likely to all four make it this year than than in years past. They just Yep. Baylor and Gonzaga have been so good. Uh, Illinois is closing the season great. Michigan's had a great season. Uh, to me, they're clear-cut kind of above right now. But there are teams to watch. I mean, like I said, North Carolina and Baylor in the second round or Wisconsin-Baylor in the second round, that's going to be tough, tough matchup 
uh, there as well. Gonzaga could face up against Creighton or Virginia. Uh, uh, Kansas, Oregon has had some decent runs. Iowa can be great. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I, I would definitely lean towards the favorites in, the, in these games, uh, though. All right, let's get on to uh, the American League West. And we are breaking down. We've already done the East and the Central. If you've not listened to those episodes yet, you can go back and do so uh, from there. But uh, we're going to jump right in here to the American League West. We're going to start off with the Astros, Houston Astros, the uh, the cheaters upon cheaters and talking about cheaters never prosper. Let's see how they do this year. Key losses for the Astros, two outfielders, George Springer and Josh Reddick, both found new homes in the offseason. Uh, they don't have a ton of key additions. Jason Castro uh, comes in at catcher. He'll split some time uh, there with uh, Martin Maldonado. Um, uh, I don't know. Did, I don't know if you've seen or not. Jake uh, Ador- Arizzi, the pitcher. Um, some people are saying he's signed there, and others are saying he hasn't. So I'm not sure if that's happened yet officially or not. Projected lineup for Houston: uh, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Michael Bradley, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Yuli Guerriel. Kyle Tucker, Martin Maldonado, or Jason Castro. They'll split time. And Miles Straw in center field. Rotation, uh, Grinky, Zach Grinky, Lance McCoolers, Jake Odorizzi, uh, Jose Orquida, and Christian Javier. Um, projected win total, I've got it at 86.5, which puts them right up there at first or second in the uh, division, real close. That puts them second, according to my numbers, but very close uh, to first place in the division. Houston was the it team not that long ago. They had this young core. They had this great pitching. There was this great story about how they tore everything down and built it back up. They won a World Series, and the next thing you know, we found out they're cheating, and that's how they got it. Um, a lot of people that made them turned off, on Houston, other people like them more because of it. But uh, what are your thoughts on the Houston Astros this year? Seems like they'll be solid. Um, you know, all that's getting a little bit in the past. And so as far as being a distraction is concerned, um, looks like they have a solid team. Everything I have, the ones on numbers I have looked at, all have them in first place, not by a, a great amount, but all of them just a couple points higher than what you had. And, um, you know, it seems like pretty solid. They didn't, you know, they kept Brantley and which I guess was a big thing. And, um, you know, they, they, they definitely got potential, I think, to, to win that division. Yeah. You know, I t- we talked about it when we covered George Springer in Toronto. Um, they really dipped last year and stat wise, the guys that were great before Correa and Altuve, uh, and Springer, and you know, obviously, when you're not having knowing what pitch is coming, it's you're going to hit less. But I don't even think it was just that. I think the mental aspect of yeah. the things that are being said to them and stuff like that. And this year, there's going to be fans in most of the stands too. Which last year they didn't have that, so they still might get riled pretty hard. Uh, you just you just don't know exactly how that's going to turn out this year. Correa and Altuve and Bregman have to have big years for Houston, or else they're going to be in trouble. Uh, and the pitching staff, you know, Grinky's getting older. He's still very good, but he is getting older uh, as well. And so they're—I mean—they're going to have to have some teams really step up and uh, play some 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 really good baseball for him, or else I think we could see them slip this year. Um, and until I see them play, I'm not going to be confident that they can be 
legit top of the division team. Uh, I mean, they're not going to be like horrible last place, but I don't, uh, you know, they're going to have to get their bats going this year. Uh, talk to me about fantasy baseball guys. What are, what are your thoughts on the players on Houston? Um, I, there's obviously, you know, obviously some there. Uh, Altuve has always been good. You know, he took a big dip last year. I think he could be, you know, come back to be very solid. Um, you know, Tucker's ranked real high. Uh, of course, you got Korea that's good. Um, Brantley that's a good outfielder. Um, you've got, you've just got several in there that, um, you know, have potentials. Um, again, we don't do a lot with relief pitchers, but I think they have a relief pitcher that's fairly high uh, rated there, Presley. And um, so there's definitely, again, if you're looking for players, um, you know, a little later in the draft and fill in positions, Houston's probably a team you want to look at and see who's still there. ESPN has Kyle Tucker number 21 overall in head-to-head points leagues. Um, that surprised me when I saw that. I just saw that today, actually. I was doing some work preparing for our draft coming up here pretty soon. He is the, I believe, top-rated Houston Astro fantasy baseball player coming in just above Alex Bregman uh, and, and a number ahead of some of the other guys there. Um, you know, I mean... I don't know. Is Kyle Tucker that good? Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I, yeah, I, I don't know. You're right. I mean, he's ranked real high. And that's one of the things that could help Houston. Again, you know, like we've talked about several teams in the other two um, other two podcasts and we've talked about two episodes. Um, you know, there's some players that are young that are kind of unproven. And boy, they have a big year. That team is going to make a difference. And Tucker could be that for Houston. Uh, I like to look and see if I can find somebody that's like either a late late draft or a guy that's going to be later in the season to watch for. Houston has a prospect pitcher that should come up sometime this season. He's not on. I'm not going to start uh, in the majors this year, but Forrest Whitley is his name. And if he makes his appearance in in the major leagues this year, he's a guy to watch. He's got some great tools. And uh, a few pitches that are supposed to be just nasty. And uh, so be interested to see if he makes his way up. There is some room at the back end of the rotation to come into um, as well. You know, like you mentioned, you got the main guys, Correa and Altuve, Bregman. Um, Brantley's okay. Um, you know, Gary L's an interesting one. He usually has some flexibility on position and can get you some, some you know, pick him up in free agency later. And, and, and I think some people draft him, but – uh, and the catcher spots history. Martin Maldonado is a real interesting catcher when it comes to fantasy leagues. And and depending on how much time Jason Castro takes from him, he's a great guy. If your catcher gets injured, you got to pick someone up. Maldonado has been, I believe, a great addition for several years now. Um, he was in Milwaukee for a time, which is why I paid attention to him. And then uh, in Houston, he's had some some really good hitting streaks. So it's kind of one of those guys. If you get him when he's hot, he can he can hold you over for a while. 
Uh, all right, let's go to the Angels. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, or whatever they're called now. Uh, their key loss is shortstop Andrelton Simmons. Key additions, uh, outfielder Dexter Fowler. Shortstop Jose Iglesias. Starting pitcher Jose Quintana. Starting pitcher Alex Cobb. And closer Rossell Iglesias from Cincinnati. Uh, their projected lineup, David Fletcher, Jared Walsh, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Justin Upton, Shohei Atani, uh, uh, Dexter Fowler, Jose Iglesias, and catcher Max Stasi. Their rotation is Andrew Haney, Dylan Bundy, Jose Quintana, Alex Cobb, Griffin Canning. And I have their over-under win total set at 83.5, which is third uh, projected third in the division. And uh, this is a team, last year I was high on the Angels. I said, this is a team that's going to break out. They're going to step up. They're finally going to play up to their potential. They brought in some guys like Rendon. Uh, they brought in uh, that Otani coming back. Uh, I, I really thought this team was going to be great last year, and they were not. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Angels for this season? Um, you know, you're right. They, they, they underachieved last year. Again, they've got some great talent on the team. Uh, they're in a division where they're going to be, you know, the top three teams are all going to be pretty close together. So um, I think with that being said, you know, um, they've got a chance. It's hard to know going into it, but it looks like, um, you know, Houston Angels and A's are all going to be right there. You know, when you have the greatest player in baseball and Mike Trout currently, uh, most talented player in baseball, you have to be able to compete. And I cannot believe they haven't traded them because that's what seems like Major League Baseball does. Um, but they've kept them and they've tried and they've tried different things. And I mean, at some point, something has to give. They have to be uh, good at some point, right? I mean, they've got they got to have something that stands out for them. They bring on Joe Madden last year. Um, to come in and, and be their manager. And, uh, you know, he, he won in, in Chicago. He's had some success in Tampa and other places. And uh, so, so to see now him there, and you find out how much the manager matters in baseball with a team like the Angels, I think. Um, Otani, I, I don't know how much they're going to pitch him. If they're going to kind of try to, to limit his pitching, I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, when you got Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, uh, they bring in some some talented guys like Fowler and Iglesias as well. Upton's getting old, but uh, he's there. And I think their pitching's pretty good. I mean, Dylan Bundy, he comes over, I think, from Baltimore. Um, and, I mean, he's he's talented. Jose Quintana was good in, in Chicago. He has plenty of skill. Alex Cobb has had some good times as well. And Canning is somebody to watch for as well. Uh, talk to me about uh, fantasy baseball wise with the Angels. Uh, you know, you, you hit on him. Dylan Bundy came over and has done well. I think he's a guy to watch. You know, you never know. Um, you know, sometimes you got a pitcher, and well, he's just a solid pitcher for you, and then somebody he can be the star. And Bundy probably has potential uh, for that. And they have some other good pitchers, like I said, they have the release relief pitcher. Uh, Rendon's always been good. I've had him forever and still have him. And, um, you know, he seems to do well. Of course, Trout, you know, be the big name uh, there. And um, I think you know, you're still learning on, uh, again, I pronounced his name wrong, but Owatani. Um, you know, I mean, he's got, you, you just don't know. I mean, he could be your power guy forever or, again, you know, a really good pitcher. Um, 
he's one that's interesting. People take a chance on him, and so far it hasn't really paid off. Definitely, and there's no flexibility on the lineup. I mean, he's either designated hitter or he's a pitcher, so you can't move him in different spots and things like that. Uh, and in our league, the one that, that we're in, you don't have that extra you know, spots to use them in. So, so he kind of holds you up a little bit. I really like the pitching for the Angels when it comes to the fantasy side of things. Haney, Bundy, Quintana, Cobb, and Canning, I think can all contribute. Again, I don't know that you take any of them high in the draft, but they're definitely guys that you can get low value uh, on or high value, I guess, low, later rounds and uh, guys that you can throw in when other guys get hurt and stuff like that as well. Um, I think there at least there's potential there for them. All right, let's move on to the Oakland A's. Uh, key losses for the athletics, designated hitter Chris Davis, shortstop Marcus Simeon, and relief pitcher Joachim Soria. Key additions, shortstop Elvis Andrus, uh, closer Trevor Rosenthal, and designated hitter slash first baseman Mitch Moreland. Their projected lineup is Raymond Loriano, uh, Loriano Mark Canna, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, Mitch Moreland, Stephen Piscotti, Elvis Andrus, and Tony Kemp at second base. Their pitching rotation, Chris Bassett, Jesus Lazardo, Frankie Montas, Sean Manea, and Michael Fears. Uh, I have their projected win total at 87.5, which is one higher than Houston. So them and Houston and then the Angels slightly behind. They're that top three that you mentioned earlier as well. Uh, the A's are an interesting team. They kind of hung around these last several years. Uh, so what are, what's your take on, on the athletics? Uh, they're definitely one that can make a move. I know, you know, last year you kept thinking, well, the A's, they're not really going to be a factor. And then you start looking and they, you know, uh, they play well and, and, and do well. They've got to me, uh, seems like young guys as I've followed fantasy, you know, the last year or two names that have popped up and they've stayed in the lineup. And now some of them are a lot higher rated than they were. And anytime you got uh, young players, again, I think their pitching staff, you know, they could either be real good or real average. And that probably will make a difference um, from there. Again, they're in real close with the angels and the Astros. So the division would be kind of, you know, wide open there. Yeah, so you know, there's most of the time when you're talking um, fantasy, uh, you talk about the two Matts, Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. Uh, Chapman, according to ESPN, uh, let's see here, I had him. He's number ten third baseman. Olson's the number eight first baseman, according to ESPN's head-to-head points league uh, ratings. Um, you know, what else fantasy-wise does does Oakland stand out to you on? Um, like I said, Olson's one of those that's kind of come up and now he's kind of a, a, a really good, uh, potential to have, um, you got, uh, Loriano in the outfield. I think he has, um, you know, potential solid outfielder again, when you're looking at your fourth or fifth outfielder, uh, if not earlier, uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on, uh, the pitchers, you know, are interesting there. Lozardo to me, um, you know, did well. Uh, has potential Bassett uh, as a guy I picked up later in the year. And, and you know, of course, was a solid starter in Montas. So uh, I think the pitchers, again, when you're looking um, not at your first or first one or two pitchers, but after that, um, 
you know, Oakland's definitely got some guys to get. They may not be around long. It'll just depend on how everybody looks at them. But like I said, you got Olsen and uh, Chapman there also. Sean Murphy, the catcher, uh, he's just outside the top 10, according to ESPN. But he's a guy that, again, if you have a top-tier catcher, they get injured, they're out for a while. He's a guy that's worth picking up. He's a, he, You get him at a great value and uh, opportunity there later, and he gives you some decent stats as well. To me, this pitching staff, you know, they're not bad. Um, I'd more rather have them on my baseball team than on my fantasy team in most cases. Uh, just that's the way I look at it. I don't know a whole lot about Chris Bassett, though. Um, haven't haven't looked a whole lot into him. But the other guys, you know, I think they're good pitchers. I just don't know that I want them on my fantasy team um, uh, in this season or not. Uh, Seattle, Seattle Mariners. They had key losses, shortstop Tim Beckham, second baseman D. Gordon, and outfielder Malik Smith. Then uh, they added starting pitcher James Paxton and closer Rafael Montero. Their projected lineup, J.P. Crawford, Mitch Hanniger, Kyle Lewis, Kyle Seeger, Ty France, Dylan Moore, Evan White, Tom Murphy, and Jake Fraley. Their pitching rotation is projected to be Marco Gonzalez, James Paxson, Yusai Kukuchi, uh, Justice Sheffield and Chris Flexen. Uh, win total is set at 72 and a half. Uh, so a f- good bit behind the leaders of the division there. Seattle's young and could be a team to watch in the years to come. But what do you think about them this year? Uh, yeah, they're young and they're rated, you know, below the top three. So again, anytime you got young players, you know, uh, they, they could be a surprise, but it doesn't look like they would be a playoff factor. Uh, going into it, but they're definitely not horrible, not on a rebuild because they've got younger guys. So, All right, let's talk fantasy baseball with the Mariners. Um, one guy that I liked, and he, I, he was a real steal when he first came in, then he got hurt, is Hanniger. I don't know if he'll rebound or not, but he was really – he was quite a steal, quite a find when he first, you know, came came up. Uh, there, uh, I think Lewis is the highest rated of the of the fantasy guys for the Mariners. Gonzalez, same way as a pitcher, is probably a guy uh, to look at as far as a good starting pitcher. Uh, outside of that, you know, you've got some other guys. Of course, you've got Seager, you got uh, Moore, and uh, Kalenic. I guess if that's how you pronounce it. And um, so, you know, again, there's some guys to pick up. Probably not as many as some of the other teams. But there's probably a couple to earmark, and you know, you get in the middle rounds, and you say, you know, look and see if they're still there. Yeah, especially if you're in a in a head-to-head league, there are some guys on the Mariners that can really help you for a two or three week span during the season when they get hot. I, I always keep my eye on J.P. Crawford because back when he was in Philadelphia, our source in Philadelphia told us watch out for J.P. Crawford. Uh, he never turned out in Philadelphia. He gets traded to Seattle and uh, gets more regular playing time. And like I said, in spurts, he can give you something. Hanniger is definitely a guy that's going to probably be more consistent all around fantasy value. Kyle Lewis is an up-and-comer. Kyle Seeger is relatively steady, but not, not really great at anything in fantasy, fantasy baseball. Ty France, he's a talented power hitter. Uh, got to watch. He's he's impressive. Dylan Moore, I had Dylan Moore last year. He helped me late in the season uh, get through the championship run that I had. Evan White, I hear about all the time because he's from Kentucky, and they always talk about him on the news, tell you what's going on with Evan White. 
But he is one of those guys that if you just need one category, he may could help you. Outside of that, not a whole lot of help. James Paxton will be interested to see if he can get back to form uh, yep. pitching. Uh, Justice Sheffield is a kid uh, in the pitching staff as well that's worth keeping an eye on and a good value at some point late in the draft or as a free agent pickup, depending on how deep your leagues are. Then let's go to the bottom of the division, the Texas Rangers. I got their win total at 66 and a half, which is way down there. Uh, their key losses, outfielder Danny Santana. I had to kind of make this up a little bit because some of these guys aren't key losses. But Danny Santana, they lost several pitchers, uh, Lance Lynn, Mike Miner, Corey Kluber was with them late last year. Uh, Elvis Andrus, the, the shortstop as well, gone from Texas. Uh, they bring in Chris Davis, the designated hitter, and outfielder David Dahl. They didn't really do a whole lot to bolster their team uh, here in the offseason. Uh, their projected lineup, uh, Leody Tavares, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. I've never learned how to say his name, Willie Calhoun, Joey Gallo, Nick Solak, uh, Nate Lowe, David Dahl, Jose Trevino, and Rognid Odor. Then their pitching is... Uh, this is just dangerous. Their pitching is Kyle Gibson, Jordan Lyles, Kohai Erhara, Dane Dooning, and Mike Fulton-Newitz, uh, something like that. Uh, this team looks as bad as any team in Major League Baseball, in my opinion. What's your opinion on the Rangers? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they just don't have a lot of names. It doesn't look like they have. A lot of talent. Uh, the numbers I saw was a little higher than what you have, but I'm not sure what those people were looking at. They had a couple of them in the 70s, um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You're right. I don't think they have much of a of a you know pitching staff. That'll probably be the difference if they came through. So, yeah, that for sure. Because I don't see I don't see anybody on that pitching staff that's going to do major damage this year. Uh, what about fantasy baseball? I, like I said, in Seattle, I felt like there's some real good guys to keep an eye on. But Texas, I'm having a harder time finding guys that I think are really going to help you in fantasy baseball. Yeah, when you look at the top-ranked guys, uh, there's only a couple Rangers that are on there. And um, so, there, yeah, there's not a lot. Um, this will be a team that, you, for fantasy-wise, you'll watch as the year goes on and somebody gets hot, and then you'll pick them up. Right off, of course, you got Gallo. He always has potential, long ball potential. I've always liked him and have him. Um, the other guy was Solak, that was kind of high rate, high rated. Uh, outside of that, there, you know, there's not much there. I don't think there'll be a lot of Rangers drafted early in anybody's draft. Um, but again, it's a team to, you know, it's a team to watch because. Um, you know, a, a team like that is going to bring other people up and, and you'll get some infusion of some new people um, and maybe someone to get hot, but not a lot of talent there to start. In our keeper league, we can keep nine players. We did have somebody keep Joey Gallo. Uh, he's ranked as the number 41st uh, outfielder, number 110 overall. He was the second lowest player kept in the ESPN rankings in our league. Um, so I don't know. I wouldn't call him keeper worthy, but he is a guy I don't mind having on my team. Um, there, it'll be interesting to see the shortstop Isaiah. I think it's Kiner Falefa. I don't know how to say his name. You know who I'm talking about. Um, it'll be interesting to see him regular playing time at the at the position and see if he can grow into it. I've always been a relative fan of Rognet Odor. 
Um, he his mm-hmm. batting average is horrible every single season. Like it's it's right around two hundred or below. It's not good, but he gives you some other stats as well. So if you can afford it and you don't have many other options at second baseman, I like Odor. He's provided me some help. Last year, I avoided him like the plague, but I have a second base heavy team uh, with Albies and Keston Hira. So I don't need second baseman, but uh, he's definitely a guy that I think can be a help. Dane Dooning, the pitcher, um, he's a young guy as well and potential there. I like, I personally like young pitchers as opposed to old pitchers. And I, I like to lean that way because to me they have they have the velocity usually a little bit better, and uh, and they're easier to get in some leagues because guys don't know who they are and and uh, they only know the stars and things like that. So especially when you're looking at a team like the Rangers, Dad, I think you said it perfectly. They're a team you watch throughout the season, see how they do, watch the stats, see if there's a guy that can pitch in and help your team and add them because there's not going to be a whole lot of people looking at the Houston or the Houston at the Texas Rangers this season. Uh, they're not going to be on ESPN <laughs> on the highlight reels very often uh, for sure on there. So this is an interesting division at the top. Uh, I think the A's and the Astros are probably the top two teams, but I would not be surprised if the angels maybe even jump the Astros this year, uh, depending on how pitching goes from there. So what is your thought on those top three teams? How do you think it shakes out in the division? Um, I mean, most people, like I said, everything I read would have Houston on top. Uh, just looking at it and where it was last year and potential players, uh, even looking at fantasy guys. But um, I think the team that could rise to the top would be Oakland. Um, I think Oakland could be the top of those three. Uh, I don't think that's a guarantee at all. But, um, you know, they've got some young guys, some talent, and I uh, think they have, have potential. All right. Uh, our next episode, we're going to start the National League preview. We're going to get that uh, working on. That will not be released until next Monday, Sunday night, Monday morning. Um, we've got high school basketball playoffs starting here in Kentucky, so I'll be busy doing the radio each night for those games and uh, won't have time to record probably in the middle of the week, although I do have some requests out to some uh, uh, for some interview people, but either way, we still might hold those until Monday if we get them. Um, but uh, we'll get started on the National League. Make sure you go back and listen to the other American League previews uh, also in there. And the first one we did, the American League East, we uh, before we talked about baseball, we had the interview with John Kuhn, which we thought was a really good uh, interview with the former Green Bay Packer. Gave a lot of interesting insight uh, there. So make sure you go back and listen to some of those past episodes. Uh, Jack McCallum, uh, the author and former SI writer, had some really great stories and things of talking about basketball in the 80s and 90s and uh, some good stuff on that and several other interviews going back there as well. And we're going to continue to work on getting some interviews. We've had February. We had an incredible lineup. and We had some good stuff in early March as well, but uh, we're going to keep working on that also. Gave a lot. Uh, so we'll get that next inter- that next episode out more than likely next weekend, uh, Sunday night or Monday, coming out with that. Thanks to my dad for joining us again today, breaking down uh, the American League West and talking a little bit of basketball. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Sports Stove Podcast today. Again, today's episode is brought to you by Blue Coolers. Make sure you go to the podcast notes and uh, click on the link for Blue Coolers. Go check it out. They've got coolers. They also have uh, different kinds of uh, drinkware and other things available for you there. And they really are great products. So make sure you check them out. 
And uh, stay up to date. We will be back with a new episode uh, next weekend. Sunday night we should be coming out with uh, there. We'll give, keep you updated on all that's going on in the basketball world, NFL news. And, of course, we'll be previewing the NL East as well then. Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast. And until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.